on the street, in the home, on the job, all alone. Amen. That's a great song. Well, uh, we're heading on into the afternoon. How's everybody doing? I'm going to move this back before I knock it over. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, again, we want to welcome you uh, to our church family. Uh, we hope that you will encounter Jesus today uh, through a number of things. And uh, we're so thankful as a church to be able to meet in this new facility in the morning. And we continue to uh, find our way here and find our way together. And it's been a great service so far. Amen. Uh, you can be open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We're going to continue our study uh, on the theme of together. Uh, looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Um, one significant announcement, uh, two actually. Uh, the Marriott Dinner and Dance is coming up on the 17th of March. The tickets are for sale at the back. See Chris Basie uh, to get signed up. Marriott's always a great event. Uh, and then continue to pray for Merlin and family. With the loss of her mother, our sister in Christ, uh, Lynn James. The funeral, as was emailed, is going to be this coming Friday, the 9th of uh, February, at 10 a.m. And that's going to be at St. Andrew's Church in Rugby. Uh, so the uh, postcode is CB213PT. CB213PT. That will be followed by the burial at 11. Uh, and then they will be having a uh, reception at the West Indian Club on Spring Street. Again, that should have been emailed to all the members who are on the email list. If you need those details, please see me after the service. And I also would ask if you are attending the service to see myself and my wife Mandy because they're just trying to get a good number uh, for the reception afterwards. So if you're planning to attend this funeral Friday, please see me if you haven't already emailed me already. Uh, I do want to welcome some special guests. We have a brother visiting from the London Church, Emmanuel. Welcome, brother, from the West London Church. And one of his little ones there as well. And uh, and also uh, a very, very special welcome to Matt Ritchie's parents, Tony and Michelle, who are here in the second row. Welcome, guys. Uh, my wife and I have known them for a long time when we first moved to Sydney. And, and, and Tony and Michelle have great faith. Uh, and uh, and the, one of the ways I know that is when, when Matt decided to take that jump from Sydney all the way to England and, and had that missionary spirit, they were totally supportive of his decision. Uh, it's great to have them back in town, and I really appreciate their faith. And uh, I know you guys will get uh, to know them, uh, as I have over the years, and they are great people. Great to have you guys here. Um, we, uh, as a church, are studying out this theme of together, uh, and hopefully it's encouraging us uh, to really think about how important it is that we have each other. I thought Ricky May did a great job uh, emphasizing that in the communion. And, and, and what a blessing it is, right, to, to walk this journey together. Yes, it is our journey alone. Our salvation, but that experience God wants to to bring us all together as we do it. Uh, in heaven, we will not be alone, right? We will be together. Uh, and so it is a really important theme that we all need to consider uh, as we move forward. Uh, there's a term out there in the religious world, and maybe you've heard of it, maybe you have not, called a Sunday Christian. Have you heard of that? Have you heard of that before? The, the Sunday Christian. What is the definition? Audience participation time. What, what, what are some definitions of, of, of what we would call a Sunday Christian? Someone's pointing to someone right now. I'm not sure that's me. I'm not looking to call each other out. I'm looking for a definition. Roy Carter. Uh, Phil, what, Phil, what, Phil, Phil, I see your hand there. Phil, what's the definition of a Sunday Christian? Church on a Sunday, or maybe just uh, special events, maybe like uh, Christmas and uh, stuff. Yeah. Okay, so their Christianity is only lived out maybe at a service. Yeah. Okay, I mean, on a Sunday or a holiday. Any other definition of that? Someone who focuses more about wearing the right outfit and portraying the right image on a Sunday. Okay. And Monday to Saturday, that's totally different. Okay, yeah, they, they had the image at church, but they don't live it out the rest of the time. Uh, new form or traditional? 
Lukewarm, traditional. Okay. Uh, somebody that's a totally different person inside and outside. Yeah. Okay. One way here, another way somewhere else. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, their language and their behavior doesn't match up, but Sunday, no swearing, and but Monday, they're back to the Okay. 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 So, so it's not a positive term, it sounds, um, as, as I get some feedback here in, in our minds. Um, and what's interesting is the Bible says there's no such thing. No such thing as a Sunday Christian. In Acts chapter 2, we've been reading through this great passage. It's a picture of the early church. After the 3,000 are baptized in verses 37 to 41, it then gives us this beautiful picture of the church. And we've been using this to study out this theme um, of together. And so uh, the title today is Every Day Together. Every Day Together. Because God, uh, I think it's very clear when you look in the Bible, doesn't look for Sunday Christians. He's looking for everyday Christians. And here in the passage, uh, in verse 46, it says, Every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. It says they met together every day. Yes, they got together on Sunday. It was the Lord's day as it still is to, to this day. But it says they met together Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as well. And it wasn't just that they were meeting together every day. They were impacting the world around them every day. And it says in verse 47, daily, daily people were being baptized into Christ. It's a powerful picture. And and it's a reminder of the power of us choosing all together to be everyday Christians uh, in our lives. Um, And so, yes... You know, we don't, we don't, we want to be every day together, but we know the temptation, you know, are some of these quotes. Your most powerful testimony is, is how you treat others after the church service is over. You know, that, that, that's that, that's the mentality the Bible wants us to have is that our testimony is, it's much more important Monday through Saturday than just on a Sunday. You know, a person's character is shown through their actions in life, not where they sit on Sunday. Another great quote. And I love this one from Billy Sunday. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. I thought that was a great one. That was a great one. And so I know we're not here today because we just want to be Sunday Christians. Or if we have wanted to be, we're getting convicted right now. Uh, And so how can can we learn uh, from this passage and what can we take away to really make sure every day together we indeed are Christians? And what could happen? What could we accomplish if we choose to live this way all together? Um... So there's two big ideas here on every day together as we close out our time uh, together today. Uh, the first one is daily encouragement. To really be together every day, we've got to strive to have daily encouragement. Daily encouragement. And in, in Acts 2, verse 46, it says, Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And if you go back uh, before... Verses 42 to 47, as I mentioned, the 3,000 were baptized, it says. The first 3,000 conversions under the New Covenant that day. And then this is the picture afterwards. Um, And a lot of those people that were baptized, it's likely, were not from Jerusalem. Uh, They were people who were visiting on the day of Pentecost. uh, And so they were pilgrims from all over, all over the area. Uh, And so, you know, in some sense, it was kind of the, 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 the urgency of the moment 
that they had to open up their homes, that they had to really be together, because these people had, had no place to live. They were visiting. You know, it, was the, it was the original Airbnb, if you will, uh, because they, you know, they, just, they, they wanted to, to be together with the church. They wanted to learn more about Christ, but they had nowhere to stay. And so, so some of it was a need, uh, but when you read through the passage, it was also just really the heart of the church, that they wanted to encourage each other. They wanted to be in each other's lives. They were happy uh, to have this time together. They were not obligated, in other words. They were motivated. Uh, embracing this new life that they found in Christ uh, together. And for us, really, today, our lifestyle is very different. Very different than it was in the first century. Uh, you know, in the first century, things were very communal. And, and in many ways, they had to be. But because of technology and, and advancements uh, in humanity, we can kind of live a lot more easily on our own today uh, rather than together. We don't see the need for each other, right, uh, quite as much. But in many ways, today, as Christians, we actually have more advantages to be together. We have more advantages to encourage each other every day than they did even in the first century. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're in a, a Christian marriage, for example, you have built-in daily encouragement. But you have to choose in your marriage to make it, make it that type of marriage, right? By really looking to encourage each other. You know, if we have children um, in our households, again, you know, we, we have an opportunity every day to encourage each other as parents and as kids toward Christ. If you live in a Christian household... Again, you have this built-in daily encouragement. Uh, but sometimes, of course, in this modern era, as it's so busy, it takes creativity. It takes creativity to encourage each other daily. Example from my own life, um, the men in the North, we met up recently, the married men and some of the singles, and we talked about, you know, you know, really spurring each other on. So we decided to have prayer partners for the next month. And so we're going to meet up every week with, with different brothers, and we're going to encourage each other and spur each other on and confess sin. And uh, Scott Wakefield and I, we, we partnered up, uh, my, my fellow Aussie, amen. And, uh, and so, but you know, Scott's busy, I'm busy, he lives in Sutton Coldfield, I live in, in Selly Park. And, and so we figured out, okay, after work he rides his bike to the train station, uh, Coventry, and then he trains into the city center then to get on another train to go to Sutton Coldfield. Well, I, I, you know, I, I drive into the city center, but at, at 5.30 when he wanted to meet, it's really hard for me to drive it. So I rode my bike to the university station, and I trained it. And so we met up outside of Wasabi in Grand Central at 5.30. But it took a lot of coordination. We're getting out our, our diaries, you know, and we're making, you know, we're thinking through our schedules. But, but, because, but because we want to get together and encourage each other, we make it happen. Uh, and so a lot of times we think, oh, I'm just too busy. No, we just don't want it. Scott and I are as busy as anybody else, I'm sure, with kids and, and, and careers and all those things, but, but we got to walk to get together to encourage each other. Uh, you know, I think about the, you know, the smartphones that we have, you know? The smartphones kind of sometimes make us kind of dumb. Because we get on these things and, and, and we're, we're just so distracted by the, the, the alerts and the notifications and people's uh, false lives they put on Facebook that aren't actually as good as they appear to be. And, and, and eventually we, we, we turn to these, you know, these zombies, you know. But there's people all around us. Sadly, even sometimes at our dinner table or at our home, there are, you know, there's people all around us, but we're, we're not actually encouraging the people we really need to encourage. Um, and even the smartphones can be used for great encouragement of one another on a daily basis. You know, the teens recently, I challenged the teens, they had this thing on Snapchat, you know, uh, where, you know, where you, you, know, you, you, what's it called? Where you, every day, you, every day you send, what's it called again, teens? A streak, that's right. And so I found out from Grace, my daughter, she's part of this. The teens are doing these streaks, but what they send, they send a picture of like blackness, nothing, or, or the side of their face. They're like, there's no point to it, but it's just how long can you do that day after day after day? So I was like, why don't you guys do that with a scripture every day? 
that would be a good daily use of your smartphone. That makes me want to pay that bill a little bit more. And so, and so lo and behold, Grace said they started doing it, and they're still doing it. This was last year. This is about this time last year I challenged them to do that at a, at a teen disciple retreat. And so that's another great example of how, yeah, we live in a very busy era, but we have all these advantages, actually. We can have daily encouragement, is what I'm saying, today. It was no different then as it is today. We have advantages just like they did. And, and, and an obvious passage that calls us to this is Hebrews 3, yes. verses 12 to 13. The writer there, and this is a very universal passage written to the early church as it's starting to age. It says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily. There it is again. As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so this passage, it commands us. It's, it's strong language. See to it. That, that most of you know that none of you, none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. You know, there's, there's a lot here that says we, we've got to watch out for sin, unbelief. Hard hearts, the deceitfulness of our sin. And you know, it's kind of like a spiritual horror movie. Whoa! You know, that, that's not what we want. Sin, unbelief, hard hearts, and deceitfulness. That's, that does not sound good. And we can hear that. We can think, how do we do this? Yeah, this is a great ideal, but how do we really do this? Are we really even qualified? But biblically, we're called to this, so certainly we are qualified uh, that we can really do this. We can really encourage one another. Daily, um, and you know, and so practically speaking, here as we close out on this first point, I just have two today. How do we do this? Well, I think the first understanding that we have to have is what does it really mean to encourage one another daily? Uh, the Greek word—it's an interesting word. It's to call to one side, to call for, to summon. So it's kind of that, you know, hey, bro, can I talk to you for, you for a second moment? You know, uh, and, and it doesn't have to be a negative thing at all. It could be to exhort. It could be to entreat. It could be to comfort. It could be to instruct. It doesn't have to be a, I want to challenge you on something. It could be simply, I want to encourage you and comfort you uh, in some way. And so first we need to decide that we have to call each other. We have to grab each other. We have to seek each other out sometimes uh, within the fellowship. We have a biblical mandate based on Hebrews 3. And we have a great example uh, in Acts chapter 2 uh, of just that. And it's all of our jobs. It's not a leader's job in the church. This passage is written to the church universal. It's all of our jobs to have that, that care and that concern for one another. That if we see one another stumbling or falling or struggling, that we don't think, well, hopefully someone else will get to that. Our job is to call one another uh, in those moments and to help one another in those moments. You know, the second thing we see from this passage is, is what do we call each other to? I think it's a good question. What do we call each other to? Well, the call is not to, to my standard or your standard or the church's standard. The call is to God's standard. The call, and ultimately the best way to do that, is to use God's Word. And so one of the things we have to get better at sometimes to really encourage each other daily is to bring out God's Word. It's not good enough just to grab someone and call them to something. It's also really important, what are we calling them to? I appreciate my brother Walter Sigler standing in the back there. Um, you know, Walter is a brother who, who recently you know, got involved in a situation I was involved in. And, uh, and, and he, he brought some scriptures to me. He said, I want you to really think about these scriptures. And then we had a great follow-up talk about those scriptures. And he used those scriptures to, to call me to a biblical standard in a situation that I was dealing with 
with my leadership, and I really appreciated that. That really helped me, and so it wasn't, it wasn't okay, Walter's happy with me, so now I can move on. It was, is God happy with me? Because ultimately, as a Christian, that's all that really matters in the end. We make, we make each other way too big, and God way too small. But when we bring in the Scriptures, that all changes. We start to really focus on God. Proverbs 27, verse 17, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. But what happens when we, when we take God out of it in our one another relationships and we take God's Word out of it, it just gets really dull. And so we get together, but it's, it, it's iron clanging against iron. It's noisy, there's some sounds, clang, 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 but there's, there's no sparks. It's not sharp. Because we've, we've gotten the picture off of God. And then it starts to wear us down and, and, and wear us out and it becomes, a, it becomes a, an, an annoying sound even, the fellowship. When we lose that sharpness, and that sharpness when we, when we look to encourage each other. And the way we do that is we keep God's Word at the center. The Word is like a sword, right? Hebrews 4 verse 12. It's always sharper in our encouragement when we use God's Word. And there are so many encouraging Scriptures. So many uplifting Scriptures. When someone is down and discouraged, a Scripture can just lift them to such a great place. So second, we've got to encourage uh, each other with that call, but also with God's Word. And third and finally here from this passage... We see we need to assess what others need encouraged in. You know, even the, the English word, it's, it's really two parts. It's in, encourage. And so ultimately, when we encourage someone, we're helping them to have the courage for God that they need, right? You know, how do we assess what they need, though? What, what would encourage them? That's something to think about, right? As we, as we call them, when we bring out the Bible, what would, actually, what would actually encourage them? Well, I think 1 Thessalonians 5.14 is a great passage to consider when you want to encourage someone. He says, we urge you there, Paul, as he writes to the church in Thessalonica, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. And so the bottom line is, we, we all got to be patient as we, as we all struggle, as we all go through our ups and downs. Uh, and so wrapped in, in that idea of love and patience is, is all of us fall into one of these categories. We need encouraged. You know, some of us, we, we need to be encouraged by being warned because we're idle and disruptive. Some of us, we need to be encouraged, and that's a different Greek word there. That's a different Greek word there. It actually means to comfort. So this is kind of the positive idea of encouragement. It's different from the Greek word uh, in Hebrews 3. Sometimes we just need to be comforted when we're disheartened, right? Sometimes we're, we're just weak and we just need someone to help us. They just need to help us through whatever it is that we're, that, that we're falling into. But according to this passage, we're all in one of these categories when we need encouragement. We're, we're either idle and we need some, some, some strong challenges. We're, we're either disheartened and we just need some comfort and some encouragement. Or we're just weak and we just need some help uh, to get to where we need to be. So, so we must assess this. Um, and recently I was feeling some discouragement. And, uh, and I just couldn't seem to get rid of it. I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible, I'm talking to people, I'm just not getting there. And so I thought about calling my buddy Marcus Overstreet. Marcus leads the church in Edinburgh. And Marcus is one of those guys um, who's really been through some real challenges and has really learned a lot from God. And so I thought, let me call Marcus, and I'll bet he can, he can fix me. He, he, he can rebuke me, he can set me straight. You know? And so I, I called Marcus up a few weeks ago, and I, and I just laid it all out there. And I was like, okay, bro, I really want you to bring it to me. You know? And uh, I need to snap out of this. You know? I need to man up spiritually. And Marcus, you know, he assessed me. I was saying, he says, bro, you don't need me to rebuke you. You need me to, you need me to encourage you. You're, you're, you need to get comforted by God. You know, you, you need to take a step back. And he, he walked me through my heart. He walked me through what I was feeling. And I was so, 
strengthened after that. I was so encouraged after that. And it was just a, it was just a 20 minute conversation. Uh, and unfortunately, we're not always like Marcus when we come to each other. Unfortunately, we don't, always, we don't always handle things the right way. But the Bible says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe I hit you harder than I should. You know, maybe you challenged me in the way that you shouldn't have. But, but if, we're, if we're brothers and sisters in Christ, we can even work through that. We can even work through that, right, to get to a better place. God can use the good and the bad and everything in between because we're not going to do daily encouragement always right. We're not always going to get it right, but we, we've got to have it. Acts 2 shows us the example of the need, and Hebrews 3 calls us to be just that for each other. And so daily encouragement. This week I give you the, the, the daily encouragement challenge. Everybody in the church, I want you every day this week, put it in your diary right now. Remind yourself. I've got those reminders on my iPhone, you know. Put it in there. Try to have daily encouragement this week. Seek it out for yourself. Seek it out with your brothers and sisters. And see what it's going to be like next Sunday when we come together to really do that as a church. Daily encouragement. Daily encouragement. Uh, and finally here, daily evangelism. We see daily encouragement. And shoots in a gear here. We see daily evangelism. Acts 2.47. Um, maybe that's not the right passage or right slide. Uh, Acts 2.47. Um, oh, there it is. Sorry. Acts 2.47 says, The Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. That's exciting to think about daily baptisms. Could you imagine being a part of a church? It sounds exhausting a little bit, but, but that's a good kind of exhaustion. Is it? Imagine if someone every day was making a decision to make Jesus Lord. What a, what a church that would be. But that's exactly what was going on in the early church in Jerusalem. How inspiring is that, right? And the thing about this passage that I think we often forget is, is the first word in this passage in verse 47, and. Why is the and in there? Well, because the and means it was as a result. Verse 47 was a result of what was going on in verses 46 to 42. Because they were all about being devoted to one another, being devoted to Jesus, being devoted to communion. You know, that they, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord has to the number daily those who are being saved. It's because of who they were that they were then impacting the world for Christ. And we understand this. When you see a beautiful sunset, you see a great movie, you experience a great moment, you want to share that with people. You know, it's, it's highly contagious to have an incredible faith in God. It's even more contagious than the flu that we've all been sharing. It's that contagious. Because there's nothing more exciting. There's nothing more amazing than what we have in our relationship with God. And when we get together and we really encourage each other, we really are the people that God calls us to be, it starts to become more and more easier then to share that with others. And the more we share that with others the more others are going to be baptized. And the more we start to you know, have that kind of momentum in the church, the more often it starts to happen, and the more often we become more and more like this in the church, where we can even see daily baptisms. That is possible. That is possible if we really get what we have. You know, in verse 47, is, it, there's so much in there. Uh, it's, it's also interesting to, to note that evangelism, evangelism is ultimately not inviting people to church. It's adding people to the church. Evangelism, you know, it's the Adams. Praise God for Adam getting his salvation recently. You know that? That's evangelism. Someone being added to the church. You know, it, it's the Grants. You know, it's the Aaliyahs. You know, it, it's the Heathers. You know, recently we've been able to see people added to the church. That is what evangelism is meant to be. 
Yes, it may start with a conversation. Yes, it may start with inviting someone to church, and hopefully we're starting with that. But that's really that's really not what it is. It's really helping people uh, to become a part of God's church and find their salvation. And you see this pattern throughout the book of Acts. Acts 16, verse 5, as we read you know, verse 47 of daily baptisms, again in Acts 16, 5, says the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Uh, and even when it wasn't happening uh, because of opposition in Acts 19, uh, verses 9 to 10, uh, Paul is um, in Ephesus and he's preaching and he's in the synagogue and he starts to get opposed right, uh, by his message. And it says some of them became obstinate. In Acts 19, verse 9, they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples, though, with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So, so even if we're not having daily baptisms, the early church was daily preaching the word. And that's all we can do. We can't, we can't determine when someone's going to make Jesus their Lord, but we can do our best to declare Jesus as Lord every day. And that's the pattern. That's the pattern that you see throughout the book of Acts. You know, the early church was urgent to share the good news about Jesus every day. They loved what they had. They were grateful for what they had. And they saw the reality of people's lives if they didn't get what they had. So they wanted to share the good news about Jesus every day. We must have a joy, but also an urgency when it comes to our evangelism for it to be a daily thing. How is your joy? How is your gratitude? Is it just flowing out of you when you walk into work? The good news about Jesus. Is it just flowing out of you when you walk into class? That's oftentimes the first place we have to start when it comes to being people who daily evangelize. And how is our urgency? Do we see the need? Do we realize that people are hurting? That people are lost? Uh, Who's here seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge? Okay, good. So, you know, maybe a quarter of us have seen it. It's an incredible movie about a real-life story about a battle in Okinawa, Japan in World War II. Uh, these U.S. soldiers were trying to press into this ridge. And that's where the name Hacksaw Ridge comes from. But they were having a, a terrible time defeating the Japanese there. And many people were dying on both sides in this, in this gruesome battle. And the movie uh, depicts uh, one of the heroes, actually, in this real-life battle. Uh, Mel Gibson's the director. And so it's the true story. And if you can handle... You know, wartime violence, it's a great movie, but if you can't handle that, don't watch it. Um, it's real. Um, but it's a true story, uh, the movie itself, about a U.S. soldier uh, named Desmond Doss. And he's played by a British actor, Andrew Garfield. Uh, and this guy, Desmond Doss, he won the Congressional Medal of Honor, which is the highest honor you can give a soldier in the United States, um, despite being a conscientious objector. Because of his religious beliefs, he, he refused to carry a weapon. He said, I will go... And I will be a medic and I will take care of the U.S. soldiers, but I will not kill an enemy soldier. And he almost got court-martialed and the movie depicts him going through that struggle and him getting married to his wife. Um, uh, but in the end, they let, they let him go uh, and fight and he shows up there in Okinawa. And so as the battle, his, his company invades uh, this ridge. They have to climb this rope ladder because it's a cliff and they start to invade where the Japanese are. They, they, get, they get pummeled. They get wiped out. They have to retreat and... Lots of men are, are, are left on the ridge, wounded and dying. And Doss, because he was a medic, he did not retreat. He, he chose to stay there without a weapon. And so once the soldiers retreat, the next 12 hours, Doss finds 75 wounded U.S. soldiers. One by one, he carries them to the edge of the cliff. He lowers them with a rope down the cliff. And he gets one, then he goes and gets another. 
And this is an account at the end of the movie of, of, of the actual man himself recalling what motivated him to save these 75 minutes. So I'll play this video now for you. That's the actual picture of him getting his, his Medal of Honor from the President. He was a lover and a fighter. <laughs> I was praying the whole time. I was praying the whole time. I just kept praying, Lord, please help me get one more. Lord, please help me get one more. Simpson said the real heroes are buried over there. So that's just the way the movie ends. Um, but it's so inspiring. You know, that's Gibson who directed it and Garfield who played him. And that's a picture, you know, uh, a rendering of, of what, what it was like, what he was doing, carrying these, these wounded men on his back to this cliff edge and then lowering the ropes down. He was shot at during the time. He had to hide in some of the tunnels that the Japanese were hiding in. Uh, he, he risked his life for 12 straight hours and he saved 75 wounded men um, in the process. Um, but the quote to me is, is the most inspiring part. Lord, he, he said he was praying this over and over, please help me get one more. And God answered that prayer 75 times. And he even actually lowered some of the enemy Japanese soldiers as well who were still alive. Uh, that, that's how far he went. Uh, and it was all because of his faith. It was all because of his faith, right, that he saved uh, these 75 men. And I think it's a, great, it's a great mantra, it's a great motivator for us as we see this example, because people spiritually all around us are wounded. People are hurting. People spiritually, they're bleeding. People spiritually, their life is on the line. And we walk around them every day. There are neighbors, there are co-workers, there are friends, there are our classmates. And, and what if we decided, because of our faith, much like Desmond Doss, Lord, please help me reach one more every day. Maybe you're reaching one a day, two a day. But what if you, you started reaching three or four a day? Maybe you haven't been reaching anyone. Well, maybe tomorrow and today you can start to just reach at least one. You know, what if we all just reached one more every day? That'd be about 130 more every day. That we could reach with the good news of the gospel. That'd be 910 more a week. That'd be 47,320 more souls we could share our faith with a year. If we just decided to, to have the heart of Desmond Dawson just to, just, to, just to reach one more every day with the good news of Jesus. That, that's what evangelism, right, is all about. People are hurting. Let's not forget. We don't always see the wounds, but they are there. So this next week, let's take the daily evangelism challenge. You know, let's take the daily encouragement challenge but alongside it. Let's take the daily evangelism challenge. If you're a disciple of Jesus, can you, can you reach one more soul today? Can you reach one more soul tomorrow? If we have that heart, we have that compassion, God can do incredible things. And we may reach 75 souls this week. Much like Desmond saved the 75 men off that ridge. You know, a lot can happen in the day. We are bored in one day. We die in one day. We can change in one day. And we can fall in love in one day. Anything can happen in just one day. 
Friends, if you're visiting with us today, you know, what, what can happen today? What can happen today? If you decide to, to take those wounds, those hurts, that emptiness, that darkness in your life, and really give it over to Jesus. Because Jesus, He's our spiritual medic. We, we, we don't have a Desmond Doss literally among us today. Because we don't need one. Spiritually, Jesus, he, he is that rescuer. He is that lifesaver. And if you're visiting with us today and, 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 and you're feeling that, feeling that stuff inside of you that's brought you here today, that hurt, that pain, that loneliness, that suffering, whatever it may be, God is He's trying to rescue you through that. He's trying to reach you through that. But you, 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 you've got to let Him come in. You've got to let Him pick you up and carry you to where He wants to take you. And I understand the resistance. I was one of those people. You know, spiritually I was bleeding. Spiritually I was heading toward death. And the disciple of Jesus came along and, and, and showed me that there was another way. But I wanted to minimize my wounds. I wanted to belittle where I was at. I, I wanted the emptiness to, to get filled, but, but part of me didn't know how to do it. And I had, to, I had to let Jesus take me to a better place through those people that He brought into my life. And if you're visiting with us today, I'm sure... It's no coincidence that God has brought the people into your life that have brought you here today. Because he, to, he wants to heal your wounds. He wants to relieve that suffering. And for me, it was, it was May 2nd, 1995. The day I made Jesus my Lord. and was baptized in, 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 the, in the water. And I am so thankful. And I just can't imagine the way those wounds would have festered. I can't imagine the way I would have spiritually bled from that day on had I not made that decision. And I can't imagine where my life would be today without getting rescued on that day uh, by Jesus. And so if you're visiting with us today and you don't know Jesus yet in that way, He hasn't healed you yet, please let us know how we can help you to find Him in that way. Please let us know how we can help you to allow Him to spiritually rescue you in your life. You know, a lot of good can happen in a day. A lot of good can happen in a day. And, and as a church, you know, there are so many great things that can happen every day together. Isn't it exciting to think about what can happen today? If we go out and just live out what we've just learned, daily encouragement and daily evangelism, I have to continue to change our lives. And as we continue to change our lives together, we continue together to change this world. Let's go and daily encourage each other this week. Let's go and daily share our faith. And the Birmingham Church said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.